Hey everybody, it's JP. Today we're reviewing So Delicious Holiday Nog, Ritz Crackers Limited Edition Snowflakes, and Hershey's Holiday Candy Cane Bar. Let's eat. Hi, welcome to Junk Foodies, the podcast where we talk about, review, and rate the foods your parents said would spoil your appetite. Today, my guest is Sean. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing really well. Thanks for coming on. I know this took a little bit of back and forth between me <laughs> and you, me living in the city, and you living kind of out in the country. It was a little bit of coordination, so I appreciate your patience with that. Absolutely. Awesome. So, Sean, I don't know if you've heard any of my episodes before, but just to give you a bit of a rundown of how this is going to work, we have a star rating system. Now, that'll come at the end of the show. Don't feel like you have to throw those out right away. Let's, let's keep some people in suspense. But each product will rate from one to three stars. One is you're indifferent or you're not crazy about it, wouldn't pick it up again. Number two, you definitely would look for this particular product again. And three is just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And let, let me have some seconds right now. And we'll talk a little bit about some food memories. I've got some questions here for you. And then we'll talk about the foods themselves. Sounds great. Awesome. So we start with the drink before we get into the reviews and all that. Um, what is your drink of choice, typically speaking? I used to love soda. I drank a ton of it. Way, way too much than I should have. So uh, I got to watch all that stuff. But I still love my Diet Coke. It's definitely my drink of choice. And if we're going into adult beverages, I like it with rum and with a little peach schnapps. But otherwise, uh-huh. you know, during the day, a normal day, just a, a nice cold Diet Coke. And uh, if I'm at a restaurant, I always love to get it. All right. So before you switched to diet, was just regular Coke your soda of choice? No, surprisingly, I am more of the Pepsi when it's regular than I am Coke. But then with with the diet, I've always liked the Diet Coke better than the Diet Pepsi. I don't know why. How funny. Interesting. Just just a weird little thing about me. No, I I suppose between the two diet beverages, they're probably using a a different blend of sweeteners. And and Coke and Pepsi obviously have a different flavor on their own. So um, I suppose added together, you you prefer one on one side and the other on the other side. Yeah, the, the Pepsi I always found sweeter than Coke, but then with the Diet Pepsi, it wasn't as sweet as the Diet Coke. So I, I guess I just tend towards the sweeter drinks. Right. And uh, Coke Zero, any thoughts on that at all? Oh yeah, like Coke Zero. I really like their Cherry Coke Zero, but for whatever reason, that's one you don't find nearly as often. Okay. Um, and the Pepsi Zero, all of those are, you know, are pretty good. They're all pretty good. All right. Now, do you have any memory specifically that sticks out revolving around junk food? Oh, yes. So <laughs> the way my family is set up, I have um, a few older siblings who are eight to 11 years older than me, and then this big gap, and then me. Uh, and so when I was growing up, my parents would have a lot of things they had to do with my older siblings, and I would spend a lot of time uh, with my grandparents. And every Saturday night, my grandmother had this just uh, tradition of having a bowl of vanilla ice cream, <laughs> but having it with the little pretzels. And huh. basically just forgoing a spoon and eating the pretzels and ice cream. And even to this day, I lost both of my grandparents in the 90s. But uh-huh. even to this day, every now and then I'll get a little nostalgic and I'll have to sit down with a bowl of vanilla or vanilla bean ice cream and just a bag of pretzels and just have at it. So. Oh, that's great. That's uh, that's so funny. And I could see how that would 
again, and I've talked about this before, like sweet and salty, they, you know, they go together for a reason. And I could see how that would work. I've never heard of that particular combination, but you think about like chocolate covered pretzels, or even they have these, you know, yogurt or white chocolate covered pretzels. And it's kind of along the same lines as, as a pretzel with ice cream. So that's. It wasn't just a treat. I mean, I, I, Always say I had to earn that because every Saturday night my grandparents would sit and watch Lawrence Welk before we had the ice cream. So I, I had I was made to suffer before <laughs> I got the reward. So. There was a price to pay for that treat, huh? Absolutely. Oh, Lawrence Welk, that's hilarious. Nowadays, it, you know, it sounds like you're probably watching your intake a little bit. What's your go-to snack between meals? Uh, a lot of microwave popcorn because okay. it eliminates the uh, the sugars. And I usually mix up my own trail mix where it's uh, peanuts, raisins, and other like dried fruits. I, I love coconut. And mm-hmm. so I like to get these uh, coconut strips that they sell at Walmart. They taste like candy, but there's no sugar added to them. It's just oh, the nice. way they dry them. Yeah. It has just the natural sweetness of the coconut in there. Right. So, yeah, I like to mix all of that up so I get a nice variety in there. Uh, I did learn I don't like banana chips in there because I don't like the sudden difference in texture where they're so hard and everything else you're eating is, I mean, peanuts are hard, but not really. Right. You know, and not all the dried foods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. All right. And uh, maybe this will be banana chips, but what's one item that you find inexplicably popular that you're not really a fan of? Yeah. No, I actually, I do like banana chips, okay. just not mixed into that group, but for me, it's iced coffee. Oh, I, interesting. I don't get it. I, I like coffee. I like iced tea. I like, but there's just something about when coffee gets cold that just does not appeal to me in any way, oh. shape, or form. So, uh, but I live with my wife and my daughter, and both of them love their iced coffee. So we're always there going you go. to, you know, Dunkin' Donuts to get that, and I'll just grab a diet soda out of the cooler. <laughs> I guess it takes all kinds. Yeah, you know, whatever everybody likes. I'm always the mindset. I always tell them, just because I don't like it, you go right ahead. That just means there's more for you. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so. I think sometimes it's it's funny. We, you know, food is a universal experience, and we all have memories around food, and we all have to eat. And I guess some people have different relationships with food, but it's funny how people get really almost like. I don't know, judgmental or about the way other people eat. And it's just like, well, what difference does it make if you don't like what I don't like and I don't like what you don't like, you know? So what? That makes the world go round, you know? Like there's no right or wrong way to do any of this, right? Yeah. If you ever want to have that conversation, just uh, if you're at a breakfast table, put ketchup on your eggs (laughs) and everybody at the table is going to have an opinion about that. (laughs) All right. Good to know. Well, that brings us to our drink review, but first, some fun facts. While culinary historians debate the exact lineage of eggnog, most agree it originated from the early medieval British drink called posset, which was made with hot milk that was curdled with wine or ale and flavored with spices. In the Middle Ages, posset was used as a cold and flu remedy. It was popular from medieval times to the 19th century. Eggs were added to some posset recipes, according to Time magazine. By the 13th century, monks were known to drink a posset with eggs and figs. A 17th century recipe for My Lord of Carlisle's sack posset uses a heated mixture of cream, whole cinnamon, mace, nutmeg, 18 egg yolks, 8 egg whites, and 1 pint of sack wine, a fortified white wine related to sherry. 
The history of non-dairy eggnogs goes back to 1899 when Almeida Lambert, in her Guide for Nut Cookery, gave a recipe for, quote, eggnog made using coconut cream, eggs, and sugar. In 1973, Eunice Farmelant, in the Natural Foods Sweet Tooth Cookbook, gave a more modern non-dairy eggnog recipe using three eggs separated, two tablespoons of barley malt extract, four cups of chilled soy milk, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, and nutmeg. In 1981, Grain Country of Los Angeles, California introduced Grain Nog, the earliest non-dairy and vegan eggnog, based on Amazaki, a traditional Japanese fermented rice beverage and containing no eggs. Grain Nog was available in plain strawberry and carob flavors. Also in 1981, Redwood Valley Soy Foods introduced Soy Nog, the earliest soy-based non-dairy and vegan eggnog based on soy milk and tofu added for thickness. It was renamed Light Nog in 1982 and Tofu Nog in 1985. Consumption in the United States in 2019 was 53.5 million bottles purchased, and America spent $185 million on eggnog. The consumption of eggnog was down 42% since 1969. Okay, so we've got the uh, So Delicious Coconut Nog. Sean, why don't you tell me, you've already mentioned a little bit of a a spoiler there. You've mentioned that you're a fan of coconut, so presumably that that won't affect, won't make you dislike it. But what did you think of this as a beverage? I enjoyed it. The the biggest thing for me, I didn't detect too much of a coconut flavor Mm -hmm. to it. So that was actually a little bit disappointing to me, mm-hmm. but the one thing, I love eggnog, and I thought this tasted enough like eggnog that it was a, a good substitute, but it didn't have that real heavy thickness that eggnog has, right. which is the part that I'm not a super big fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would prefer it a little thinner like this is, but I really enjoyed this. Uh, I would definitely buy this again. And, Okay. Yeah. So I didn't, I'm, I'm a fan of eggnog too, although I don't drink it much these days anymore. And I didn't know what to expect. I've had coconut milk before as like a dairy alternative, you know, poured over cereal or whatever, not the kind that comes out of the can, but the kind that comes out of a carton. And I always found it had a creamy mouthfeel, but always seemed kind of thin at the same time, which is kind of hard to explain. It's like creamy water or something, you know, it wasn't <laughs> like milk. You wouldn't mistake it for milk. And so I didn't know what I was going to get going in. And, and I was actually pleasantly surprised. It, it did remind me a bit of eggnog. Yeah, maybe not quite as thick, but it had that kind of custardy flavor. And I thought yes. as well that there might be a, you know, a bit of a, a hint of coconut there. I didn't pick up on that too much, maybe just a little bit uh, there at the end. It had some spiciness going on. Like I kind of got more cinnamon than nutmeg, I think, which is typically what you associate with eggnog. Uh, but overall, yeah, I would say it was a, a happy surprise for me. I, I didn't know... If it was going to be awful or just kind of okay, but uh, it was decent. Yeah, I, I kind of looked at it like I eat turkey bacon most of the time. Right. And I was having this conversation with somebody and they, they were like, well, that's not bacon. And I go, well, no, it's not. It's turkey right. bacon. If you go yeah. into that expecting the flavors and texture of a piece of bacon, you're going to be sadly disappointed. <laughs> you know, the same thing. If you go into this expecting your typical eggnog, you're going to be disappointed. Right, but it hits all of the right notes, like you said, the spiciness, the cinnamon, the the nutmeg mixture. It it hits all those right notes that you can trick your brain into going, okay, yes, this is some form of eggnog. Right. Um, but as an alternative, if you're having any kind of health concerns and you need to do something that is more healthy alternatives, I think this would work perfectly. 
Yeah, and I didn't, you know, I didn't even think to compare the label on this to a typical eggnog, but I'm going to guess there's a lot less fat and there's a lot less sugar. So yeah, certainly a, a healthier alternative than, you know, like a really heavy calorie laden and fat laden eggnog. Yeah, I, I would agree that that's kind of where I am. Now you mentioned earlier, you know, mixing a, a splash of rum or peach schnapps into your Coke. I, I, I have to now have an entire bottle of this stuff or an entire carton of this stuff now. I think maybe I'm going to have to experiment with a little bit of, of rum. Um, or a, a friend of mine recently told me he likes to put a little amaretto in his eggnog. So I might have to experiment with that as well. Nice. You know, I, I have never had alcoholic eggnog. Really? It's just for whatever reason, it's like just this gap that never crossed my path at the right time, I guess. You know, I was right. never at the party that had it or whatever, but I just... Yeah. I'll have to try it with this and see how it is. Well, there you go. Let me know. (laughs) We might have to have an addendum, you know, this as a cocktail and see what we think. There you go. (laughs) All right. So we've talked a little bit about sweet snacks, a little bit about savory, salty and sweet. Would you consider yourself a a sweet or a savory person? I definitely think I'm more of a savory person. I I asked my wife, you know, we were going over these questions together and I was kind of like, well, what, what would you guess I am? Hmm. She said sweet at first, and I definitely am in, in some respects. There's certain sweets that I absolutely adore and will go after every time. Cheesecake, probably top of the list. But for the most part, I think I'm more savory. I would, the kind that if I'm going to snack, I would prefer to snack on peanuts or chips than I would hmm. on candy. And, and, and if I'm going for candy, I tend to avoid chocolates and go more for like, you know, a sour candy or a gummy or something like that. I've never really been a big chocolate fan. That eliminates a lot of the sweets right there when you don't like chocolate. So right. uh, I, I definitely would have to say I fall on the savory side of things. Okay. And when you were growing up, was a specific snack when you came home after school that you would have you know, before dinner? Yeah, there was. And it's I, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this because <laughs> I, I, I think – Nowadays, it probably almost doesn't even qualify as food because it's probably so bad for you. But uh, my parents were forever buying Elio's Square Pizza. And some, I mean, it was just the absolute junkiest pizza in the world. It comes in, it's like a big rectangle. And yeah. you could break it into three pieces. And <laughs> it just like barely had any cheese on it. It was just absolute garbage pizza but that was my snack every day when i came home from school i would eat a piece or two of that pizza especially we could we didn't have microwaves i'm 44 years old i didn't have a microwave when i was real little so that was sort of my introduction into cooking was i had to learn how to use the oven so that i could make these you know little pizzas for myself after school so yeah, that's that's probably what it was, was the, the Elio's Square Pizza. That's so funny. Are those still around? I don't think I've ever seen that name brand. They are. Uh, are they really? I know, I know around me they still have them in Walmarts and, you know, the grocery stores around us. If you look in the pizza, frozen pizza section, it's in there. It's a white box and it says Elio's. And it's, I, oh. I want to say it's red, but it could be orange lettering, but it's, yeah. uh, it's weird. And, you know, you said this was kind of that your your parents would stock up on these. Did you come from a a family where you had a lot of, you know, prepared foods or or was your mom, I assume your mom at that time, you're you're about my age. So dad didn't do really any cooking when I was growing up. Was your mom much of a cook when you were growing up? 
Well, surprisingly, the, the job that my father worked, he worked uh, a seven to three shift. He was a HVAC mechanic for a drug firm at one hmm. of their factories. Oh. And he would get done at three o'clock and get home from work around 345. So he was the one that cooked dinner for us. Well, there you um, go. It's assumptions corrected here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> my sexist I, assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> well, but... I will say that I was definitely in the minority. Everybody else that I knew, uh, yeah. their mom did all the cooking. And my mom cooked a lot on the weekends. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it was usually my dad. So we always had prepared dinners, but we also would have a lot of things around for like evening time snacks. We weren't big on cooking breakfast except on Sundays. So the rest of the week was, you know, toast, cereal, bagels, things like that. Pop right. tarts were always real big. Yeah. So it, it was uh it was it was a pretty fair mixture I would say. Okay, and your dad was a decent cook? Yeah, yeah, he was. I learned a lot of the stuff that I, I make I got from him and uh later from my mom because when once she retired she took over more of the cooking. Right. Uh, my parents are still alive. They live about an hour away from me and I actually spend quite a bit of time with them. Okay. And uh my mom still does most of the cooking, but we still make a lot of the same stuff that we made when I was a kid. We have this one dish called country pie where you kind of lay out a base of ground meat and uh, tomato sauce. And then the next layer is tomato sauce, water, and instant rice and some mozzarella cheese. Okay. And then you just let that bake for 45 minutes. And then you top the whole thing with mozzarella cheese and it's, it's delicious. Oh, we okay. just, I, we had that like once every other week growing up and we just had it this past weekend when I was there. Oh man, that must That's take you back. Yep. That's great. So what's your favorite treat nowadays? Again, I know for your health, you probably try to keep that in check, but if you're going to splurge a little bit, what's a treat for you? Hands down, it's still pizza, just okay. better pizza. Better than Ilio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I never really, I, there, there's very little that is bad pizza. You know, it's it's hard to make bad pizza to me, but, right. you know, it, we have a couple places around us. Uh, I live near Binghamton, New York, and there's a few places around us that have really, really good pizza. Oh, awesome. Do you ever make your own at all? Yeah. Uh, my, I have a nine-year-old son. Probably mm. once a month we do what, what we, he likes to call Liam's Pizzeria, where <laughs> we buy the, uh, the shells from the store. and We either use tomato you know, pizza sauce or we make a lot with barbecue sauce. And mm. We do like a barbecue bacon cheeseburger pizza or a barbecue... Nice chicken pizza, where we'll just make regular cheese and pepperoni pizzas. But yeah, once a month we do that at home. He gets oh. such a kick out of that. So Yeah, I bet. It's, you might have a future pizza empire coming out of your house. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe uh, Papa Liam instead of Papa John's. So. <laughs> right. Or Liam's instead of Ilio's. Well, hopefully... There you go. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if anybody from Ilio's is listening, I'd gladly take you on as a sponsor. I don't, <laughs> don't listen to what Sean is saying. I'm willing to give you a try. <laughs> all right. Well, since we're talking about all this savory food, pizza and, and country pie and such, let's talk about our savory product this time around. It'd be really exciting one. Can't wait to get to this. Uh, but first, <laughs> let's uh, have some fun facts. Introduced by Nabisco in 1934, Ritz crackers were created to compete with a similar cracker made by their competitor, Sunshine Biscuits. Ritz had their iconic name chosen by an employee, Sidney Stern, looking for a phrase to appeal to people suffering during the Great Depression. 
He chose Ritz because he said he wanted to offer them a, quote, bite of the good life, end quote. He also created the blue circle yellow lettering logo design inspired by a circular label inside of his hat. In 2011, Ritz was listed as the best perceived snack brand among American consumers in a YouGov poll and now comes in several varieties, including original Ritz, low sodium, reduced fat, whole wheat, honey wheat, roasted vegetable, bacon, garlic butter, honey butter, hint of salt, and now holiday Ritz as well. Okay, so that's that. So my apologies, Sean. I, I try to keep everything Christmas themed and I gotta tell you, Christmas is a holiday for the sweet tooths, uh, the sweet teeth. The sweet yes. tooth among us, because there are not a lot of savory foods associated with Christmas that are kind of prepackaged. I mean, uh, I could have told you to go out and get a turkey, but I didn't uh, think that would be really, uh, <laughs> practical. And, you know, it's just like, what else? You're thinking of Christmas, you know, what else goes that's savory? And, and I suppose some people do like, you know, nuts or mixed nuts or, uh, you know, cheese and meat trays and that kind of thing. But there's nothing really tied into Christmas savory-wise, the same way that eggnog is so associated with Christmas. Nuts I can get all year round. Eggnog I can't. Peppermint and chocolate is really a combination associated with Christmas, etc., etc. So all this to say that <laughs> our savory product is a Ritz cracker that's shaped like a snowflake. So <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't checked the formula, but I'm guessing the recipe isn't any different. They just put a different press uh, you know, to push these things out. What were your thoughts on the Ritz crackers? Surprisingly, I really like this product. Okay. Um, it's thinner than a regular Ritz, which really I thought was, that's my biggest problem with Ritz crackers. I prefer, oh, the name's going to escape me now, but they're the, the bigger round crackers that you usually get at the holiday trays and stuff like that. Right. I prefer those because they're, they're a little thinner and it's not as much cracker as it is, you know, what you're putting on it. And, you know, and I ate these with pepperoni and cheese and I found that I love just the ratio of the cracker to the topping because it was so thin and crisp. So even though it's not, you know, it's a cracker, yeah. it tastes just like other Ritz crackers. Yeah. It had a better feeling to me and was more satisfying mentally because I really enjoyed the, the thinness of it as opposed to the, the thicker Ritz cracker. You, you make such a good point. You know, I, I haven't had a Ritz cracker in years, but I do remember them being more on the soft side than on the crispy side mm -hmm. and it, because they were a little thicker. And there was always that Ritz flavor, which I guess is kind of buttery. And because you had a thicker cracker, it was a little overwhelming. So I wasn't super excited getting into this. You know, but for a plain cracker, and, and I too, you know, topped it with some cheese and, and some different toppings, which is always kind of fun to do if you have, you know, different pickles out and, and, you know, red pepper jelly and stuff like that and your different cheese combinations. Had some fun with that. But I agree with you. Yeah, this, um, I kind of think that this is the better Ritz. Like, this should be what they offer year round. <laughs> I haven't picked up a Ritz in years, but this, you know, I, uh, I wouldn't turn it away. Yeah. No, it's definitely a step up from the normal Ritz. I find the normal Ritz just to be kind of dry because of the way they're they're thicker and, and kind of flaky, and it just it seems like there's too much cracker, right? You know, and this was just just the right amount of thickness so that you could really get that buttery and salty taste from the cracker, mm -hmm. but not overwhelm the topping that you were having. Yeah, and on top of that, fun uh, Christmassy type, you know, snowflake shapes. <laughs> yeah. 
never a bad thing. Yep. All right. Well, moving right along, we're going to talk sweets now. What's a snack? Well, before we talk sweets, a couple more questions for you. What's mm-hmm. a snack you like during while watching a movie? So I go and see a lot of movies. Uh, my daughter and I got into that AMC A-list thing. Uh, AMC Theaters down here has a deal where you pay a certain amount. You can see up to three movies a week. Oh, that's great. And yeah, and, and being as I'm disabled at home and she's also disabled, it gives us something that we can go and do together that is, you know, it, it, I've seen a lot of different movies that I normally wouldn't have just because I'm not paying specifically for that ticket. So it's a really kind of opened my, my genres up as far as what I'm going to go and see in a movie. Cool. So it's been very interesting. But AMC has little pretzel bites. They're soft pretzels. They're about an inch long and you you get a little tub of nacho cheese with them. Mm. I grew up in Philadelphia and Philadelphia is all about the soft pretzels Mm -hmm. uh, and the cheese, of course. But uh, as far as snacks go, you're either talking tasty cakes or you're talking soft pretzels. So I always enjoy that. Um, When my wife and I got married last year, we, our appetizer that we had was we had a pretzel bar. We had somebody who made a ton of little pretzel bites and we had cheese and apple butter and yogurt and a couple of garlic butter and different things for people to take as dips for the pretzels and that was kind of our our little appetizer so for me i always get the pretzel bites when i go to the movies again it's my natural predilection to go more towards the salty and savory than it is towards the sweets everybody else's you know, picking out the candies and I'm going out there going, I want my pretzels. (laughs) Okay. And interesting that uh, you didn't go with popcorn. So maybe it's just because you eat popcorn at home. So going to the movies, it's like, Hey, I can get this thing. I'm not having at home. Is that kind of what's happening there? Well, that and my wife always orders popcorn. So I always have some there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the other nice thing about, I I feel like I'm doing a commercial for this AMC thing, but the other nice thing about that is you get free refills on your popcorn and soda and things. So it, the popcorn's always there. So to me, the pretzels are more of the treat. Right. Now, side tangent here, you mentioned as you're talking about Growing up in, in Philadelphia, you mentioned Tasty Cakes. Yes. And this is something I grew up on the West Coast. So I've never, well, not really on the coast, but in California, I've never had a Tasty Cake. And I only heard about it, I don't know, in the last year or so. So I'm very curious about this. Uh, can you tell me what that is exactly? I suppose I could Google it, but since I have an expert here, tell me what a Tasty Cake is. A Tasty Cake is a Philadelphia company. They make all kinds of different snack cakes. Their main ones, I guess, that they're probably known for are their chocolate cupcakes. Uh, Think more along the lines of like Drake's cakes or a little bit higher quality than a Little Debbie cake. And they also have another big favorite is their candy cakes, which is a small round cake. And the base of it is kind of like a little sponge cake. And Mm -hmm. then they're topped, the ones I like are topped with peanut butter and then covered in chocolate. Wow. and then they also do a lot of fruit pies, which are, uh, you know, they, they're, they're big ones. The Tasty Claire, which is like an eclair or a Boston cream pie. It's filled with the, um, the custard. And then there's a stripe of chocolate along the top, like you would have on eclair. So, you know, that, that's basically what it is. But Tasty Cake is a Philadelphia institution. You go down to the, to the Philadelphia Phillies game or the Flyers game or whatever, and there's always Tasty Cake signs. You walk into any mom and pop corner store and, and they're all over the place in Philadelphia. Huh. They always have Tasty Cakes. And, you know, so they're, they're, a, they're definitely a Philly institution. All right. Well, one of these days I'm going to have to 
get down there and try a real cheesesteak, which I've never had, not one from the actual source. And apparently I'm going to have to finish it off with a tasty cake for dessert. <laughs> now, if you're going down there, yeah. there's always the debate of there we go. cats or yeah. genos. Right. And the correct answer is neither one of them. Okay. It's there for tourists. Right. You go into any other sandwich shop in Philadelphia and you're going to get a good cheesesteak. Um, and don't listen to anybody that says you have to have it with cheese whiz or you have to have mm. it with American cheese or it ha you get it how you're going to like it. Right. But you, you're going to get such a better product if you don't go to the tourist trap places. So Funny how that works, isn't it? And yep. yet those, those are the ones that I've never been to Philadelphia and I've heard those names. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, anytime you watch, if, uh, if you're a football fan, you happen to be catching a game from Philadelphia inevitably during one of the times they come back from commercial break, they'll come back showing guys making cheesesteaks and it's always Pat's or Gino's. <laughs> now let's, let's sell some sandwiches here. Sean, what, what's your, for your money, what's the best one in town? Maybe the one that the insiders know about that the tourists don't. As far as restaurants goes, unfortunately my favorite place just closed down like a oh. year ago, but the place I grew up on, I always loved their cheesesteaks and it's a place called old London. Okay. Uh, there's a couple locations in Philadelphia, and you know it's funny. I I haven't lived there in my old neighborhood. I moved out in '95, '96, mm. and to this day, I walk into Old London's and they recognize me. Oh my gosh! You know? and so it's it, it's one of those things where you find that a lot in Philadelphia, where you just have in your neighborhood these neighborhood shops that remember all the people that have ever lived in that neighborhood <laughs> you know it's so it's the food but for me it's also the the kind of the comfort of going into that shop and seeing that it hasn't really changed much in the last 30 years either so. right there is something comforting about that isn't there yep. but, you know at the crazy times we live in and how everything seems to be changing at the speed of light that there's some things you can count on that are you know, still the same and, and provide you that, that warm feeling of nostalgia. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, speaking of, of nostalgia, do you have any favorite seasonal snacks? I do. I've got a couple. I love, even though I'm not a huge chocolate fan, I love chocolate and peanut butter together. So I'm always excited when uh, Easter comes around and you get mm -hmm. the peanut butter eggs. My parents bake cookies every year at Christmas. So to me, Christmas has always been about the cookies and in particular they make what they call cut cookies which are just shortbread cookies that they use the the cookie cutters with and make the to make the different designs but they always put a little like a little indent with their finger and fill it with sprinkles or in philly we call them we call them jimmies huh. um you know so to, to me christmas is always about the cookies and right. i also really like one particular girl scout cookie uh, which I'm sure with as much as I've talked about coconut so far, you could probably guess is the Samoa. Yeah. But the other reason I like the Samoa is uh, the Samoa was released not just on my birthday, but it debuted the exact day I was born. Wow. On February 18th, 1975 was the day they rolled out the first Samoas, and that was also the day I rolled out. Uh, and so it, it's just something psychologically, I guess, has clicked, and I just have always loved that cookie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned peanut butter and chocolate. That's, a, of course, a classic combination. Do you have any combinations that are maybe a little unusual that you like of snacks or treats? 
Yeah. Um, again, the, the pretzels and ice cream is right. one. The I also enjoy uh, dipping pretzels in applesauce. So you get the little applesauce cups, and mm. especially they have those ones that are waffle. Uh, that have the lines on them, because I find they hold the applesauce really well. And the other is, I, I know I said earlier, I'm not a big fan of banana chips in my trail mix, but we have a store nearby. You mentioned that I live out in the country. Uh, I live in an area that is populated with a lot of Amish folks as well. Mm-hmm. And they have a little shop, and they make fresh peanut butter right there. Whoa. And I love to get their unsweetened banana chips and a fresh thing of peanut butter mm-hmm. and eat that just like chips and dip. Um, that sounds like know, a great idea. Yeah, I, I realize like the, the banana and peanut butter thing isn't that odd. Yeah. You've, you've heard about, I mean, that was Elvis's thing, wasn't it? It was yeah. bananas and peanut yeah. butter, <laughs> you know, so, but the, the banana chip and just eating it like chips and dip is just something I've always enjoyed that other people have kind of looked at me and gone, that's a little weird. So <laughs> I'm digging that as an idea, though. I, I love. You know, I'll just peel a banana and take a knife with peanut butter, and you know, take a bite and spread some peanut butter on top, and all the way to the bottom of the banana. So the idea of doing it like uh, chips and dip, I'm really digging that. I'm gonna have to give that a try. <laughs> yeah, and and with the fresh made peanut butter, there's there's no sugar added to it or anything. So if you're right. like me and you're you're having you know, to watch your sugars, you've got all the protein and the in the peanut butter so it's not there's there's fats in there but it's not as fatty or sugary as if you had gotten like sour cream and made some sort of french onion dip or whatever you like right and the banana chip even though there's natural sugars in there it's still a much better alternative to the carbs that then turn into sugars you get from potato chips right right huh interesting cool now, not to get too morbid at the end of this, but if you're <laughs> having a last meal, so in which case you wouldn't have to worry about calories, you wouldn't have to worry about blood sugar, any of that stuff, what snacks would be there? You know, this was probably the toughest question <laughs> on the questionnaire that you sent. I had to really think about this, and, and for me, I picked pick three things, two of which I've already talked about. Got to have soft pretzels. Okay. Uh, that just takes me back. Yeah, Got to have Reese's Cups because like you said, if I don't have to worry about the sugar and I'm going to go all in, I- I'm going to eat an entire bag of the little <laughs> miniature Reese's Cups. Yep. Um, and black licorice, black Twizzlers or black jelly beans. And that's another one of those ones that is very polarizing. Sure there, is. There's nobody that kind of likes black licorice. You right. either really like it or you really hate it. <laughs> okay. Black licorice. Well, I'll, I'll share the uh, the peanut butter cups with you then, and then <laughs> if you know, assuming you invite me to this meal. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, this brings us to our sweet treat. But first, some fun facts about that. In 1983, the first Hershey Park Christmas Candy Lane event was held. The event was mostly located in the tram circle on Tudor Square part of the amusement park, with one ride located right inside the main gate. The 1983 Candy Lane event was a rough go for the park. On several days, the park was closed due to severely cold weather and ice. This caused attendance to be lower than expected. Despite this, public response to the event was positive. While this season there are approximately 45 rides available, in 1983 there were only four rides that are brought for this event. Two were relocated from inside the park, Dizzy Drums and Livery Stables, while two were rented for the event, Little Wheel and Miniature Train. This event 
Also was the first time Hershey Park had reindeer on display for Christmas Candy Lane. The main gate was converted into stalls for reindeer. Due to increased attendance, the main gate needed to be used for guest entry. The park did not have a place to put the reindeer, so they did not return until the 1997 event. Over the years, the event has expanded to include most rides in the park that are available to be operated when the temperature is cold. Roller coasters were introduced to the event in 2015, although the kiddie coaster Coco Cruiser operated in Candy Lane in 2014. Typically, the promotion for Christmas in Hershey was for guests to enjoy a stay at either Hershey Lodge or the Hotel Hershey, visit Hershey's Chocolate World, and Hershey Park Christmas Candy Lane. In 2003, a new attraction, Sweet Lights, was added. Within a year or two, that event expanded to include a road that was used for the Hershey Hill Climb, an annual event where spectators gathered to watch vintage cards compete to race up the steep road named after the man who started it all, Milton Hershey. Okay, now Sean, you actually have a connection to all that stuff. You want to fill us in on on your connection to Hershey's? Yeah, right. Uh, growing up, Hershey, it, Hershey, Pennsylvania is about an hour and a half roughly from Philadelphia. So mm. my family every year would go to Hershey Park during the summer. That was one of our family outings during the summer. Mm-hmm. And part of the Hershey Park experience is the factory tour. That's, that one's good because it opens before the park, so you can kind of get there early and still have something to do before the park gets really into full swing. And it's one of only two places in Hershey Park when I was growing up that was air-conditioned, mm-hmm. so it was also a, a great spot. But they, they take you on a little tour around. the. It wasn't an actual factory when I went. Previously, they had done tours of the actual factory, but by the time I was growing up, it's basically a ride where you just – it kind of um, – Haunted Mansion style, you get in a car and it just kind of slowly winds its way around. Uh, And they showed you a lot about how the different candies were made. And then when I graduated high school and went to college, I lived very close to Hershey. And it was a very interesting place because we had Hershey on one side of us and then we had a meat rendering plant on the (laughs) other side of us. So depending on which way the wind was blowing, <laughs> you were either going to have a really good day or a really bad day. Oh, um, but, but Hershey's such a neat place. Uh, you know, if you get a chance to look into it, the, the story of the Milton Hershey School that, that uh, Mr. Hershey, who started the company and founded the town, started uh, is, is really a, a great story. The street lamps in Hershey, Pennsylvania are shaped like Hershey Kisses. Oh, you're and they alternate. So you'll see one is wrapped in the, the iconic silver foil, and then the next looks like an unwrapped kiss, so you're seeing the chocolate. Oh, funny. Uh, you know, so it's, it's really that the town obviously is synonymous with the chocolate, so they've really embraced it and leaned into it as a community. And they do so many neat things at the park around Christmas, around Halloween, and of course, you know, all summer long they're – you know, it's, it's a major amusement park, not quite as major as your Disney or your Universal Studios kinds of things, but right. definitely on par with all the Six Flags and, you yeah. know, your, your major theme parks like that. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I talked about this, I believe, uh, on, on the first episode of this podcast, because I was talking to my brother and we were reviewing a Hershey's product. And one of my memories growing up, so I grew up in California, and Hershey's used to have a factory out there in Oakdale that uh, closed down, I think, in the 90s, and they 
unfortunately moved uh, to Mexico for operations down there, I guess just because it's cheaper. But I have this memory of, of being a kid and going on the Hershey's chocolate factory tour and the air just smelling like chocolate and seeing these like people in, you know, hairnets and like lab coats, you know, working yeah. on these machines and watching the machine make the Hershey's kisses and all that stuff. And it's just so magical as a kid. I mean, it was as close as you could get to, you know, going to the Willy Wonka chocolate factory, you know, minus the Oompa <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah. The, the, the pools of chocolate that they're dipping things in. And it's just, yeah. it, it's amazing. You know, people watch, they talk about watching these videos that just have like, you know, uh, like the, the, oh, what is that called? Something's cradle. Newton's cradle. The, oh, right. The metal balls that go back and forth. And yeah. just watching like those pools of chocolate and the machinery just oh. dipping the, the oh. dropping the Hershey kiss onto the belt and everything. It's, it's mesmerizing. Yeah, kind of meditative. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I still have a coffee cup from that tour that had, says it has the, the Hershey's logo, the one that you know, we all know and love from the, from the chocolate bar. And it says Hershey's Oakdale, California. And then it has my name under it. Well, actually, it was my uncle's name, but uh, him and I shared the same name, so you know I inherited it. Uh, so yeah, now it's it's mine. I still drink coffee out of that cup, and that's gosh, that's got to be thirty-five years later, you know. So it's uh, it's funny. I still think about that that tour and, and the smell of chocolate in the air. You drive through that town, and the whole town just smelled like chocolate. It was really lovely. Oh yeah, and I and so I imagine it was pr you understand exactly what I'm talking about when you when I say that Hershey, Pennsylvania itself has a particular smell about it, and it's you know oh, yes. you always smell the chocolate in the air. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, that since we're talking about Hershey's, let's go ahead and, and review this last product. So we've got the Hershey's candy cane white chocolate. Uh, what did you think of this one? So if I'm going to eat chocolate, white chocolate is definitely the way to go for me. Okay. Um, and so I really enjoyed this. I, I like peppermint bark. Um, Ghirardelli's has a great um, the peppermint bark squares that they have are really good. Yeah. Uh, but And this, I felt, was comparable to that uh, mm -hmm. you know the chocolate's not quite the same you know Ghirardelli's and Hershey's aren't exactly the same type of quality of chocolate yeah. but it was really good and you know because I have to watch my sugar I shared this with my wife and my daughter and my daughter loves peppermint loves white chocolate so it was no big deal my wife doesn't really like white chocolate mm -hmm. but she said I would eat more of that huh. Just the, the combination of the white chocolate and the peppermint together was really tasty you know okay. so i kind of went into that knowing what to expect and got pretty much what i expected but i was really pleasantly surprised that she enjoyed it too because she's just just not a white chocolate girl so. well that's that sounds like a heck of endorsement to me <laughs> yeah and we were in the store just tonight and we noticed they had um candy cane white chocolate candy cane hershey kisses so if you uh -oh. don't like the bar you can get them in the kisses as well so okay you know, I was just thinking that, going back to our earlier conversation, that maybe a bite of that uh, candy cane Hershey's bar with a pretzel at the same time might be a good combination. Yeah, you know, now that I think about it, they sell chocolate-covered Ritz. I should have put one of those on the snowflake cracker and tried that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's doctor this baby up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, we've gone through all three products here. Now it's time for us to give them some stars. Uh, it sounds like overall you had a, a pretty positive experience. There were no you know, clear losers, but from one to three stars, one, not really crazy about it, wouldn't pick it up again. Two, I would pick it up again. And three, like this is creme de la creme. I love it. Uh, what would you give these products, Sean? The eggnog, I would definitely say is a two. It, it's a good alternative. Don't drink it going into it thinking you're getting eggnog because you're not. Uh-huh. But as an alternative, it's really good. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, it hits all the right notes for eggnog. So I would give that two stars. I would definitely try that again. Um, the Ritz cracker, two stars. Very middle of the road. It It's a cracker. There's right. nothing super special about it except it hit the right spot with the thickness of the cracker. Right. Um, you know, so I would... I was actually kind of disappointed tonight when we were out that they didn't have them in the store we were in because I so would have bought them again. Rather than <laughs> them and as far as the, and for the Hershey's, I'm going to give that a three. Uh, I love white chocolate. That really hit the spot and had the nice minty flavor to it. Mm-hmm. And even my wife who doesn't like white chocolate was on board. So I definitely would say that one's a three. Star. Excellent. Well, you know, you and I are, are basically simpatico today. Um, I thought the eggnog was good. I, you know, not the best thing I've ever tasted. And, and certainly you have to have your expectations in the right place, but I'd drink it again. So I, I give that a two stars. The Ritz, a crack, it's a cracker, you're right. But if I'm just grading it on, you know, for its crackerness and not grading it against the most delicious savory food I've ever had, <laughs> you know, I think it's a solid two stars as well. And I like the chocolate bar. I guess I kind of forgot to, or the white chocolate bar rather, I kind of forgot to talk about it, but you basically took the words out of my mouth. You know, it was creamy, it was minty, not too sweet. Sometimes white chocolate can be a little overly sweet. I didn't find that to be the case. And the mint gave it a nice, just, you know, white chocolate on its own is just kind of creamy and bland. And, and the, the mint just livened it up a little bit, gave it a little snap. You know what I mean? So yep. um, I really liked it. And uh, I would give it a, a three stars as well. So uh, overall, we, we did pretty good on this one. Okay, so in this segment, Sean, I'm going to read you a question with three answers, two of which are what, we might call alternative facts or BS, <laughs> and one of which is the truth. So you just okay. have an answer. There's no prizes other than bragging rights. Absolutely. Got it. All right. So which company received a major backlash for changing its traditional recipe in the mid-1980s? Was it KFC, McDonald's French fries, or Coca-Cola? Definitely going to have to go with Coca-Cola with New Coke, and they absolutely did that on purpose really now you got me interested you're you're right you're right about the coca-cola tell me more about the on purpose thing <laughs> I, so I good conspiracy theory coming on yeah it really is and this is one that i actually i don't necessarily believe it but if somebody told me it was true i would say yeah okay that totally makes sense i have no right. problem believing it so up until that point coke always trailed pepsi pepsi was always the number one coal and coke was always number two they come out and release new Coke, giving us something we absolutely hated. Mm-hmm. So it way lowered our expectations. <laughs> and they were like the first big company to just say, okay, fine, we're going to give you back what you're clamoring for and gave us Coca-Cola Classic. And ever since then, Coke has been number one and Pepsi's been number two. That's very funny. So it's just oh, one of those things that, yeah, it, it's just one of those things that I, I look at and go, you know, if somebody did tell me that that was done on purpose, I would totally believe it. <laughs> All right. But question number two, what is the top selling cookie in the United States? Is it Chips Ahoy? Is it Oreos? Or is it Pepperidge Farms? Ooh, Pepperidge Farms is too expensive to be the top. 
I'm going to have to go with Oreos. Right, you are. You're two for two. Oreos is the most popular cookie in the United States. And now they've got, uh, we, we recently reviewed on this show, one of their alternative flavors, I guess. They've got all these different flavors. It's oh, not yes. regular Oreo anymore. In fact, I, I was reading recently, they uh, recently announced what their mystery flavor was, which was uh, cinnamon churros, which in an Oreo oh. sounds like a pretty good combination to me. So I have to track one of those down. I just saw it on Twitter the other day. Yeah, that does sound good. I love cinnamon. <laughs> All right. Around what year is the first mention of sausages in recorded history? Is it 1492, 1200 BC, or 3000 BC? Now I'm giving you the hard questions. Okay. So did I mention I'm developing a trivia game show at my podcast uh, company? You uh, <laughs> could have mentioned that before I decided to throw trivia <laughs> Come on, you're killing me here. <laughs> so, so I'm going to metagame this a little bit and go, go one of these things is not like the other. So I'm thinking 1492 isn't the answer. Okay. Um, gosh, I'm going to say this. I want, the oldest one was what, 3000 BC? Yes. I'm going to go with that. And right, you are. Three for three. The first uh, mention of a, a sausage-like food or as close as, you know, I mean, obviously it wouldn't be like modern sausage, but uh, as close as it can get about being a hot dog or something, uh, was from ancient texts in Mesopotamia, 3000 BC. So that's, wow. gosh, that's like uh, 5,000 and some years ago. <laughs> and that is what I'm having for dinner tonight when we finish the podcast. We're having pancakes and sausage. So. <laughs> well, you, you can give thanks to one of those ancient Meso Mesopotamian gods, for, you know, for not flooding your home and for providing you There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the Tigris and the Euphrates have been calming down this year. Finally, in 1919, 21 people were killed in Boston due to a flood of what? High fructose corn syrup, olive oil, or molasses? So I lived for 10 years up in Maine, and I seem to remember hearing this story about once a year on the anniversary, and I believe it was a flood of molasses. I just can't trick you, man. It's <laughs> molasses, it is. That's what you call I, really good production values here, my. my <laughs> Laid applause. <laughs> I am a fountain of useless information. What can I say? Yeah, so there was a, uh, a tank, uh, these big steel holding tanks of molasses. And as uh, far as they can figure, um, it's one of them started to maybe ferment a little bit. And uh, that caused the pressure to build up and it eventually exploded. And it was basically a tidal wave of molasses that killed 21 people, did just tons of damage. And apparently for like a hundred years afterwards on a hot day in the summer, it still kind of smelled like molasses because it had just like soaked into the ground and, and everything else. So I can't think of a more horrifying way to go out than drowning in molasses. But yeah, uh, yeah. it's funny though, too, because you always, you know, when somebody's slow, they always say, you know, they're slow as molasses. And <laughs> I, I imagine I, it, people dying obviously isn't funny, but a slow moving tidal wave of molasses is kind of a humorous mental image. I'm uh, I'd have to look at what time of the year this happened, but if it was a really hot summer day and, and just the, the, the mass of it, if we're talking tons and tons of it, uh, maybe it moved faster than it would normally, like on a, on a winter day or something like that. But I'd have to look. I, at, yeah, I would think it would have to be. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. Just the weight of it, right? Would, would the physics of it would push it fast yeah. even if it was a, a very viscous liquid. But anyway, yeah. over the thing. Yeah. Now it's time for junk mail. As a reminder, you can reach us via email at junkfoodiespod at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at junkfoodiespod. Today's message is from Simon Garcia in Pennsylvania, maybe not far from where you grew up. We should uh, ask Simon if he's into Tasty Cakes. He uh, says, Dear Junk Foodies, I sometimes like to compare myself to a food item. In my case, I'm definitely a bowl of cream of wheat. <laughs> I don't know what to think of you're either the most boring person or you're just very nutritious. I don't know. I hadn't thought about that in years. What food would you compare yourself to? Well, I, uh, geez, I don't often think of myself as a, as a food item. Do you have any thoughts on that, Sean? If you had to compare yourself to an item of food, what would you be? Wow. <laughs> now I've stumped you. The molasses <laughs> you're ready for. This you yeah, this, this is an interesting question. Oh. I could go in so many different directions with this. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to go with my soft pretzels again because okay. yeah, I could be a little crusty. I could be a little salty, but most of the time I'm just a big softy and, you know, a uh, comfort food. So. Okay. All right. I like it. So for me, I'm going to have to go with trail mix because uh, you know, there's a lot of different components to my personality. Sometimes you might think you're, you're, you're getting one thing, but you're definitely getting another. And I'd like to say I'm, I'm mostly sweet, but I can be a little salty depending on, you know, what kind of mood you catch me into. <laughs> yeah, and always with trail mix, a little nutty. So that works a little too. nutty. Yeah, you called it. <laughs> you called it. All right. Well, that uh, brings us to the end of the episode. Sean, I really want to thank you. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. Absolutely. And uh, you have a podcast of your own, right? We actually have two podcasts that are coming up. Uh, just in October, I founded a company called Oracle Media Productions, okay. and we're going to be producing different podcasts. And our first two shows come out in January and February. The first one is called Now You've Seen It. Mm -hmm. And on that podcast, we have one host and two panelists who are joined by a guest who is watching one of what we're calling the essential geek movies uh, and for the very first time. So this is someone who's never seen uh, Alien before, never seen Avatar before, never seen 2001. Those are just a couple of movies that we're going to be covering in our first few episodes. Uh, then the next podcast that will come out in February is called The Stories Behind the Songs. Yeah. And each week we're going to take a look at a different artist or theme like uh, songs with colors in the title or songs with days of the week in the title. Uh, and we're going to tell you the stories about how the songs were recorded. What were the artists thinking when they wrote the song? Is mm. there, you know, what was the uses in pop culture? What's the impact in pop culture? You know, so we're going to talk about this song individually as opposed to most of the shows and things like that with music history tend to focus on the band. Right. We're going to focus on the song. So that's, I think, makes cool. I got to tell you, both of those sound right up my alley. I mean, I, I love movies and actually I've already agreed to, to guest on, on your podcast there. So looking forward to that mm -hmm. one, although that's coming up, uh, it, that, that won't be in the immediate future. But the song one, what a, what a great idea. That's uh, such a cool concept. And unlike anything I've heard before in, in terms of podcasts, so I'll definitely be tuning into that one. So the first one is called Now You See, Now You See It. Now You've Seen It. And since we're not out yet, the best way to find us is to just go to facebook.com slash now you've seen it, all one word, no apostrophe, and you've. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and follow the Facebook page. And the same thing for the, the stories behind the songs. The best way to follow us right now is facebook.com slash the stories behind the songs. Excellent. Well, I will definitely be doing that. And if you're listening to this and you like the sound of that, please uh, make a note to, to look those up in the new year. And we always appreciate not only the ears, but the rating and reviews, which help keep our you know podcasts alive and getting into uh, to other people's uh, on other people's devices, which, you know, is the whole point of the game. So, all right. Anything else you wanted to talk about, Sean? No, I think I'm good on my end. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you again. I had a great time and let's do this again, maybe next Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It'll uh, be our new Christmas tradition. Sounds good. Thank you guys for listening. And as a wise man, a wise man once said, do everything in moderation, including moderation. Have a good one.